Welcome to the History of Networking on the Network Collective, where we drag all the skeletons out of the wiring closet. Today, we're talking to Kyonam Chan about internet history, an Asian perspective. So grab a pile of cookies, settle in, and listen as we meld with the finest minds in networking. Good morning, Kyonam. How are you? You are in South Korea, right? That's right. South Korea. Seoul or someplace different in South Korea? Today it's a Seoul. Today it's Seoul. Okay, good. Good, good, good. I was there last year, actually. Or, yeah, last year must have been. Mm. And Donald is in Raleigh. Hi, Donald. Oh, Donald's waving, but he's not talking. We don't release the video, Donald. <laughs> That's crazy. And then I, for some strange reason, am in California this week. So, you know, it just happens. So, Kilnam, um, why don't we just start from the very beginning and explain to us the Asian perspective of Internet history. You said something funny earlier about there was no history of the Internet. <laughs> There's a, it's, it's, there's no global history of the internet. It's like all these different perspectives. Yeah. I mean, like, first of all, there's a many of those internet history. Most of them is uh, American internet history or the internet history of uh, uh, American perspective. And uh, uh, we have been doing uh, internet development since uh, late 1970s in Asia. Then around uh, after about 20 years or so, we start discussing, hey, we have to have a, somebody do the, doing those writing. How did we start the internet in Asia and how we collaborate with USA and Europe or within the uh, Asia Pacific. And uh, I was more of a driver uh, developing an internet. So that I sort of expect somebody who can write well, like a philosopher. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, article or books, but nobody, nobody did it. Then uh, finally, we started losing uh, people after about uh, 30 years. So the, then I uh, just hap happened to be, I retired uh, from the uh, professor. So the, I volunteered and uh, I asked about uh, four or five people to do the uh, uh, internet history together. And end up, uh, we have uh, about uh, 80 or 90 co-authors on each specific in instance. Then uh, 50 or more uh, advisors from the, all over the continent, from about 30 countries. Then uh, uh, they were the three books by now. <laughs> wow. That's what we. <laughs> That's cool. So take us back to 1970. What kind of research were you doing around the internet? Um, I mean, I kind of know what kind of research was going on in the U.S. And there was some in Japan, right? There was some in Japan, but oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we had a lot of impact, influence from the USA, and a lesser degree from the Europe. In a. Uh, uh, 70s. In the 70s. So, uh, like, like, uh, uh, each, like uh, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, they did very much on their their own. Okay. With each other. 
Okay. Because they are so far apart. And, uh, and uh, I came from the USA. I was in a NASA. Okay. Uh, came to the Korea 1979. And uh, I thought it would be a good idea to have a, a computer networking doing those research in Korea. So the, I uh, look for the uh, which technology of the computer networking will be good. <clears throat> then uh, uh, the one internet, because that's the I, I saw, I didn't really get involved in the internet development at the UCLA. And, uh, but my colleague, like uh, John Postel, being served, they developed, and that may be a good one to introduce to the Korea. So that we uh, build the internet. Okay, so when you say introduce to Korea, did you start out in the universities, much like it did at UCLA and in the in the US, it started out very much just being like university networks to connect? Since we are sort of uh, ten, more than 10 years behind, we just, from the beginning, we just decided to make those uh, nationwide research uh, network based on uh, based on uh, pretty much on the internet and uh, and having those uh, UUCP additionally. Okay, so you started out with a nationwide uh, like just universities for research, right? Is where you started, just like it. At the research institute. And uh, even uh, as a company uh, uh, research lab. So this was in the 70s. So 1980, 1980. The, uh, the last year of the 1970s, right? Right. Then the network is up and running in 1982. Okay. Okay. So 1982, how many nodes were on the um, network? In... Two nodes. Two nodes. Yeah. And uh, then add the uh, one more node in 1983. Okay. Then from there, we're just like uh, uh, similar to the any other countries, sort of doubling, doubling or tripling every year. Okay, all right. So that's interesting. So the two nodes in 1980 were, was it a company and a research organization or was it two? A research, National Research Lab on uh, uh, Information Technology. We call it the Korea Institute of uh, Electronics Technology. Okay. At the University. Cool. So you were using IP then. Were you using commercial gear or were you using like the PDB 11s with the software? How were you actually connected? Um, like what? We have a commercial gear then. The first commercial gear was available 1986. We tried to get the, those uh, uh, imp from the internet, but that was not available to the outside of USA, except for special. ARPANET project member like uh, UK and uh, Norway. So that we end up developing our own uh, router. Oh, okay. So you ended up actually writing the code. And what routing protocol was that? I mean, were you using basically the same thing as the IMPs? Or uh, what were you doing? Basically, we sort of uh, uh, making a equi something equivalent to the IMP because IMP okay. was sort of a uh, uh, router then. Right. Right. Uh, but that's different from the Japanese approach or the Australian's approach. They don't want to really develop those uh, uh, router. They want to make it much easier. So what did they do that was different? I thought well, everybody... in Japan, they start from the um, those research community 
uh, they decided to do the UUCP. I see. Okay. Uh, you know the UUCP, by the way? Yeah, I do, but, but you might want to explain it a little bit for our listeners because that's... Oh, okay, okay. UUCP, yeah, it's an older technology that not many people are going to... Uh, it's sort of a handshaking between any two computers. Okay. Deliver to each other. Okay. So like, for example, if I deliver the message to you, then first I look for the uh, how can I get get to you. Then probably what I would do is uh, I deliver to the uh, HP labs in uh, California, and uh, then this HP lab uh, deliver to the New York. Then uh, New York, hopefully you have uh, some connection. Then they deliver to you. So they so they handshaking. All the way. Okay. So basically, it just it followed around the ring until it found where it was looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the uh, uh, everybody's uh, computer network then. And is that the wide network? Is that what that was? If I is that the right or is sort that of a beginning of a wide project? Yeah. Okay. So what about Australia? Australia, you said did Australia something different. Is, uh, this group, Sydney University and the Melbourne University, they decided to. They didn't like a UUCP, <laughs> and uh, they are uh, pretty good in uh, developing a protocol. So they will, they develop uh, their own sort of optimized version of a UUCP. Okay. Because it's a since it's a second time, so it's much easier to develop. Right, right. Because you learn the lessons the first time, right? Yeah, so it's so, yeah. But either way, they don't want to really develop the the, the router. Because router development means a. Uh, each box costs about a quarter million dollar. In today's money, probably a million dollar. And that's a sort of different uh, game. Yeah, but you did develop routers, right? You developed your own routers there in South Korea. I Greece. thought about the, uh, what's the best way. Since uh, then, I really want to have the uh, imp of ARPANET. So I tried to make something close to the uh, ARPANET IMP. Then uh, I, was, I was so lucky. My research institute just bought the about uh, uh, PDP-1170, and uh, they just bought it, so they know what it's using. <laughs> and the first time, this is the first computer, then uh, they don't know how to use it. <laughs> okay, like, okay, let's change the operating system to the Unix. <laughs> <laughs> then from then on, I'm sort of in a, uh, control. Mova, I was Mova, I, I was the division manager in charge of those computer computer development. Then uh, also from the Seoul National University where I was lecturing, uh, they also bought a new computer, PDP 1144 or something. Then I proposed them. Don't you want to change to the Unix? It will be <laughs> computer science. <laughs> Most of the Unix is so much easier to implement the TCPIP. Of course, sure. Uh, that's what I thought. Then the Southern National University, oh no, oh no, because nobody, nobody put the uh, uh, Unix to the PCP 1144. So they end up doing those hacking on a kernel. First kernel hacks. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we did. 
Yeah, when we are young, when you are young, you can do the all sort of things. <laughs> and we managed to get the uh, 1982 uh, May, so about, uh, uh, about this time, we implemented the TCP IP, IP version 4. And uh, this is sort of uh, uh, interesting, because in the USA, IPv4, TCP IP was under testing at that time. They deploy 1983, January 1st. So the, it was before the official deployment. Right. So the no way we can connect to the, uh, with the USA because they are still in uh, uh, developing and we, uh, ours is working. And the more way, US government didn't at all IP connection internationally. Oh, so. So you actually developed IP on your PD, on your two PDPs, got yeah. them connected and running. And yeah. the, US, the US government was still running ARPANET on the older version. NCP. On NC, yes. And so then they wouldn't connect to you because you were running IP. No, no. It's a US government policy not to connect to the... Um, uh, they allow the connection only to the uh, uh, ARPANET project member. Okay. All right. So you want a member of the ARPA project, basically, is what you're saying. No, 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 we are not. Okay. So you're yeah. just doing this on your own, developing IP That's and, right. and yeah. uh, on these PDPs and connecting these. Now, what, physically, what kind of link did you have between these two? I get the words of record. <laughs> Because we thought the TCP IP works only on the 9600 volts or more. <laughs> but in Korea, the, we couldn't get it 9600. <laughs> to know the maximum they can get is a 1200, 1 1.2 kilobps. So, so that was on top of like your telephone network. Is that what it was running on top of? Like we, we have a dedicated line. Okay, you have dedicated. Oh, you can use a telephone network. No, it won't work. Uh, it won't work. <laughs> you have to have a because system is everything is so unstable. So the, you have to make it the uh, as stable as possible. So the telephone network dial up is, is is no way. You have to have a dedicated line. Even a dedicated line, dedicated line was pretty difficult. Wow. So yeah, I mean a twelve hundred baud. I mean, the sizes must have been really, really small on TCP. <laughs> and you couldn't transfer very much. <laughs> no, no, no. But again, ARPANET, when they uh, started in 1969, it's pretty much the same. It was a very slow. Yeah, uh, not just speed. Actually, I think it's not really a bottleneck. Uh, computer. Right. But the is a bottleneck. Right. Well, so the PDP... the, yes, in many implementations, they can just uh, handle this, say, like uh, two packets per second, five packets per second. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the software and the hardware, right? Because there was no, like, you couldn't go buy a network interface card. So, I mean, you had to build them or do something, right? There was, like, no, no network interfaces at that time. So... Australia was pretty good because they 
they did a, their version of a, a, a network protocol, so it's a very efficient, in a sense, and it's a cheap because they don't need a, the router, just like a UUCP. Right. That's right. A more like a, you may say like a, it's a, a network between a personal computer. Right. Right. So that's so that's interesting. So you actually started out in a more advanced position than either Australia or Japan. Um, with the way you were, the way yeah, you ambitious. Were. Let's put this way, ambitious. <laughs> ambitious. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, he, he basically said they had IP TCP/IP before America did. Yeah, oh, right. pretty awesome, right? Yeah, that's kind of cool. So that's not ambitious. That's TCP was even in the USA. Still, they are testing, and uh, so the uh, we are very uh, uh, ambitious. Yeah, interesting. So did you have a bunch of grad students working on this? Is what you did? A bunch of college students? Or you... That's all we could do. it Because in a research lab, those engineers, they're expensive. And also, <laughs> also they don't know the uh, computer networking at all. Right. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, that's typical today. Most application developers don't know the networking at all. <laughs> so the one I did is uh, I was teaching, also teaching at the uh, Southern National University. So the, I give a lecture in a computer networking on the internet. So the graduate students, uh, they are much more ready to work on uh, uh, TCP IP. Yeah, good, good. So after that, how did it develop? You just basically kept adding nodes. Once you had the software developed, you just kept yeah. adding nodes. Yeah, uh, no, first of all, I moved to the, uh, from a research institute to the uh, university called the KAIST where I stay about 30 years, 35 years. Then uh, we add the uh, KAIS to the, those, uh, this network. Then a uh, sort of a uh, doubling or tripling every year. Okay. And this is still before there's commercial equipment. So people are buying these PDP 11s or PDPs. So the, my, uh, uh, my student are uh, very busy. <laughs> uh, installing, uh, every time we have a new node, my student has to go over there. <laughs> <laughs> and add it. So that's interesting. So what routing protocol was it? Because I know you deployed TCP IP, but I mean, you must have had. If, like, they, have a, they, if they have a, those a PDP or some Unix machine, then uh, they could do the uh, TCP IP. Otherwise, uh, uh, if the machine is much smaller, then they use uh, uh, something else like a UUCP. Okay, UUCP. So then they would like an extension to one of the routed devices that was hanging. Like that's right. Okay, so cool. So at what point did it start to commercialize? So I mean, I'm thinking you said first commercial devices were available in that in '86. Did that yeah, that's from the uh, Cisco, right? Cisco, and uh, they called the Proteon. Uh, spin-off of the MIT and uh, Cisco spin-off of uh, Stanford University. Right, right. So did you get both of those kinds of devices, Proteons and, and Cisco? Uh, uh, about two years later, so around 1988, uh, 1988, yeah, we started getting those routers. Then it became much easier. Okay, interesting. Uh, in between, we started using a workstation, like a some workstation, some microsystem workstation. We use it as a sort of a, 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 the router, so, sort of a halfway. It's a much cheaper and a, a, with a reasonable performance. 
And if you know how to um, operate a Unix machine, then you could use it. Okay. And those are the router from Cisco uh, solved those all those problems. So those were MGSs, right? The original ones. Those were MGSs or CGSs. I don't remember which one. It was the smaller unit. It was um, two rack units or something like that. It wasn't the big one. It was a smaller one. I think. You said you're talking about which one you're talking about? The, the Cisco routers. Cisco router is sort of a. No, was it a CGS? Do you remember which model it was? Because that's a long time. I don't know. No, I don't know the model. Uh, it's sort of a bigger than a pizza box. Yeah, bigger than a pizza box. Yeah, so it was probably a CGS. And they were painted white and had the orange bridge on the front of them. Maybe <laughs> so. <laughs> Old Cisco colors before they switched to the yeah. blue pretty many years later. So once you started getting Cisco routers in, was there a big drive to commercialize it? I mean, were people asking? Yeah. No, somehow, I don't know. Somehow we didn't have any idea of commercializing of the our product at all. Okay. Because we are not in a Silicon Valley. I mean, people in the Silicon Valley always think about, okay, how can I make a commercial product out of whatever we do? <laughs> no, Korea or Japan, no, we didn't think about. Rather, we sort of uh, looking for the which routers are best. Then we really like the some microsystems, uh, uh, Unix, machine, Unix machine for the uh, router. Then uh, like Cisco and uh, Proteon. Okay, interesting. So when did the first commercialization, like when did the first company start connecting to it? Uh, on a, uh, the, you're talking about another ISP, internet service. Right, yeah, when did the first real internet service provider uh, pop up? Just a second, that one is uh, uh, sort of end of uh, 80s. End of the 80s. Yeah, actually, okay. to be precise, it sort of worked this way. When we developed those research networking, as I told you, mm -hmm. Korea Telecom is a one of Korea Telecom Research Lab is a one of the member. Okay. And so is the another uh, uh, telephone company is also member, mm -hmm. as well as the Samsung uh, Research Lab, and uh, they start supporting the our research network. Then it's just one more step to the commercial. So the first they did a, as a, a service to us. I see. And later they use the same system for the uh, uh, commercial customer. So hopefully it was more than 1,200 baht by that point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, 64K or multiple 64K. Okay. So, okay. so in America, the mid to late 80s, there was a huge explosion of uh, BBCs. And was there equivalent to that in the Asian market? Just uh, you talking about BBN or BB? Yeah, so like the, you know, like, like your modem and you dial into some computer and you didn't really wasn't networked to anything but that one computer. And you'd all kind of hang out. Bulletin boards. Bulletin boards. Bulletin boards. So that's, yeah, that's what you're looking for. Oh, that was for the using of a personal computer. Right. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, so the, yeah, if you're talking about those uh, computer communication, okay, we have those uh, two camps. 
one of those hours, just like those alternate internet community, based on those uh, uh, mini computer. And the other one is those personal computer, those community, or, or on a shoe string or whatever you call. Right. They also connect by a dial up modem, like a Hayes uh, <clears throat> uh, modem, then a sort of a, uh, exchange the message. That's another group. And eventually, same in the USA or Korea, uh, they sort of uh, merge into the uh, uh, internet. But yes, we do have those two, group, two groups. Okay. Time before they, they we sort of merged. Okay. But it was easier in the case of Korea because uh, we, we offer the internet almost free of charge for first about 10 years. Because we thought this is a sort of a provision of the internet is more important. So right. we try to uh, increase the number of users. So if whoever asks our account, we usually give free of charge. So like, so like a service, like almost like electricity or something. It was just like something you thought was good for people to have, so you just, or institutions to have. Well, differently. In a different way, those are people using those uh, uh, and board, using those personal communication, they do the communi personal communication within a Korea. But if they want to communicate with the outside of Korea, they tend to use our system. Okay. It just doesn't go to the overseas easily. So, yeah, you said earlier that the U.S. government had a, a thing that they wouldn't connect to anybody outside of the ARPANET project. So That's when right. did the first external connections start happening outside of well, They decided to open the uh, those uh, IP-level connection anywhere in the world in uh, 1986. 1986. So your first yeah. external yeah. connections were 86. Decision uh, blessed by the uh, NSF and the DOD. Okay. And that connection... Was that like an undersea cable? I mean, how is that connection working? Because that's uh, depends. Depends on where you are. In our case, uh, okay. First of all, most of them want to connect to the USA because that's the uh, uh, main uh, those uh, internet. <clears throat> then uh, the late 1980s, for us, it's easier to connect by satellite. More uh, channels are available in the satellite. And the uh, undersea cable was uh, very difficult to get, so it's more expensive. Then uh, once you get in the 90s, then it's uh, reversed, mostly uh, undersea cables. So it's, okay. it's sort of uh, the pricing. Right, the pricing. But you started off in satellite, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also the uh, that's the how we so we did collaboratively. Uh, NSF made a, a project to connect to the uh, Asia, and uh, then we made a sort of a, a project manager management and the hub in the University of Hawaii. So the, what what happened is uh, everybody connect to the University of Hawaii because it's the middle of uh, Pacific. <laughs> then the USA connect, the NSF connect to, to the University of Hawaii. That's how we end up. Then okay. under we also pick up NASA Ames as a second those hub. 
that's how we did connecting the initial about the five, six uh, countries, Australia, Japan, New Zealand, Korea. Okay, cool. So as it grew, so you're saying it continued to grow pretty much exponentially across that time, right? So you went from like three nodes to six or whatever. So in the in the early 90s, when you get, first got that first connection, or not the early 90s, when you first got that first connection outside, how big was it at that time? How how many? Um, okay, to be precise, okay, we had an international connection from the beginning, okay, but use a UUCP. Okay. The, we didn't have an IP connection, but instead we use a UUCP, and, okay. uh, which is a much affordable. Because UUCP, you don't have to have a lease line. Right. right. And, uh, uh, because the lease line for us across the Pacific costs easily like uh, $100,000 to the quarter million dollars. So it's uh, trivial. And, uh, so that's, so that's, but that's not just buying it, right? That's like a monthly, that's like a monthly fee, right? Or something? A monthly, say like a lease uh, line. Monthly, probably you have to pay uh, way more than $10,000. And, and a UUCP use a dial-up. So it's right. Most, yeah, just like making an international telephone call. Right, which was still expensive, but it wasn't $10,000 a month. Yeah, they're going to be speaking. I yeah. mean, it's easy to uh, start. But eventually traffic build up, then you have to move to the lease line. Right. So um, what was it primarily used for at that time? Like when you first put it in, was it just email? Was it shipping yeah. around ideas? So email. So just email uh, for... Like, a, we, like a, uh, ITF, yeah, stop, something from the ITF and those, uh, uh, any other conference, they exchange an email address. Right, once you exchange an email address, you tend to send an email. <laughs> right, right, yes, right. Yes, it's sort of a self-serving of the ITF. <laughs> so what was the first ITF you went to or that, that Korea participated in? Oh, just a second. Uh, me, personally, is a Santa Fe. So the, it was a 90, not 1990? Okay, so that's cool. Yeah, so my first ITF was in the 90, 97 or 98. So you, you were going to the ITF longer than I was. <laughs> yeah, it was held all, always in the USA around that time. Right, right. Uh, three or four, four times. Initially, it was uh, four times. So we just cannot afford it. Right, yeah. It started out four times a year, then it went to three times a year. That's it was right. always in the U.S. at first, and then it moved to the U.S. and Europe, and then U.S., Europe, and Far East. Hmm. And... Uh, now it's now it's the Americas, so sometimes it's in South America too. So it just depends. That's right. So they'll rotate, uh, yeah, uh, rotate. America, Europe, and uh, the rest of the world. Right, right. So did your research was it helpful? Was your building this IP stack and TCP stack was it helpful to the people in the U.S.? Did they actually and in the rest of the world did they actually take lessons? Did you like do presentations and stuff to help them? Um, figure out like how to make their IP implementations and stuff, or was that all pretty separate? No, uh, no, we did almost everything. We also developed the uh, 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 
some of those uh, protocol and also the we deploy and uh, as soon as Korean internet is up and running we start uh, uh, supporting other countries like uh, Japan and uh, uh, Indonesia Hong Kong to build their own those network so it's a uh, very much of a collaborative effort some are similar to the Europe right so that's good that's good so do you know when the first internet exchange point was put in in korea because that's kind of a good measure of commercialization as well is like when the first ixp yeah that's right yeah um, naturally we are the uh, kaist was the uh, initial of those uh, internet exchange point because that's the only internet in korea okay and uh, then uh, uh, once commercial starts then the korea telecom the exchange point sort of become a, a primary exchange point. Then we said, like, okay, yeah, but we need also the, the neutral one. So we made up those a neutral internet exchange point. Pretty much same in the, like uh, the USA or Europe. Right, right, interesting. Japan, is a, they did more extensively on uh, internet exchange. Right, because that was part of the wide project there, from what I remember. They actually did internet exchange points and stuff over yeah, there as part of the project. They helped to develop a, a nation, national those exchange point. It's a much right. bigger scale because back then, different from now. Back in the nineteen eighties, Japan's economy is at least ten to twenty times bigger than Korea. So the, right. they are giant. So the, they make up you know, things much in a bigger scale. And uh, Korea is a much, is much smaller country. So they we did in a very, uh, uh, in a small scale. In a smaller scale, right. So yeah. we, can, we can move much faster. Because if we convince uh, those Korea Telecom, then uh, we can just go. But Japan, they are, there are many of those companies to convince. So it takes much longer time. Right, right. Right, yeah, that's interesting. So Donald, do you have any other questions or thoughts? I actually do have a couple of questions. Um, so, you know, my naive view of, of Korea networking today is it's probably considered one of the best in the world. So how do we get, you know, you, know, you, get, you can go to your home and get great internet speeds now. So how do we get there? Yeah, we had those uh, <clears throat> major efforts which took place in 1996. It was a unique. Around that time, every many countries, including the USA, Japan, and some European, they sort of look into the broadband. Until then, typical speed is more like a 56K, sort of a kilo BPS, and try to move into the mega BPS. Then uh, something far more, uh, we are looking into then I guess Korean broadband project was most successful. And, uh, and we installed in a very good style in around 1996 or a few years later. And uh, then we had an advantage. Korean is much smaller. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's bigger. I'm thinking about Canada, like a Canada. <laughs> That's too expensive to deploy the, uh, those uh, fiber. And uh, Korea is a, uh, we are lucky, but it's reasonably small, so that we took advantage of that one. 
And also, we, uh, I did intentionally, we had to have a competition because we also saw the, uh, how competition is now working in the USA or Japan. So we told them we had about multiple uh, uh, fibers. So we just let them compete. One of them is a typical the traditional telecom service provider. The other one is the, uh, uh, we took a power company. Power company has those uh, power cable. Right. And uh, you don't have any problem when, when you install the fiber. They have a nationwide those, uh, uh, network and they put those uh, fiber uh, on, around the same line. So that we had those uh, two friendly competition and the works just about perfect. So that we, uh, uh, by end of uh, uh, 90, 90s, I guess we had uh, just the best of the broadband uh, network in the world. And from then on, it's easy. Just, just keep the, uh, in, a, in a top group. Just like a marathon, once you get in the, in the front group, just, just keep moving. <laughs> in the yeah, top. right. Yeah. And the U- US, US had a handicap in many ways. First of all, country is much bigger and it's very divided. And the government didn't have a good those, uh, uh, broadband, uh, nationwide broadband uh, program. Because USA, they think that sort of belongs to the uh, private sector. So the, the deployment of a fiber took much longer. Then the additional handicap is a cable company in the USA. They are very powerful. So they are sort of competing against those telephone company. So the, fi- those, the result is a, a fiber deployment was, a, was a very slow. And uh, so the Korea was a, it was a, was a lucky. Interesting. Cool. I was the uh, uh, the national committee. I I chaired the national committee. Oh, so that's so it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I insist it has to be a fiber and uh, multiple, and you worked. That's good. That was very. That was very a lot of foresight in that. That was really cool. So, do you have another question, Donald? You said no. you had a couple. No, I'm, I'm done. Sorry. You're done. Done. You're okay. done. Okay. Excellent. Well, I think that's a good place to break anyway. So, Kevin, do you blog or have a Twitter handle or anything like that where people can reach you if they want to ask questions about? Oh, um, uh, yeah, Twitter or email. Or Facebook, they're all the same. My ID works all the same. Okay, good, good, yeah. excellent. Yeah, because I'm a uh, uh, adapter, so I got those. Uh, <laughs> so you got the same. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm always telling my kids, you should get your own domain names. <laughs> soon enough, you won't be able to get a domain name that you really want. <laughs> because everybody will have taken them all. Great. All right. Well, thanks, Gilman, for coming on and telling us the story of the perspective of the internet from Asian perspective. It's really cool, the work that y'all did. Um, it's fascinating that you got IP and TCP out there early, really early, and how you got to the point where you are today. So, um, okay, can uh, I have one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. We went ahead on those uh, broadband. So we have a... Uh, in the last 20 years, we have a, uh, one of the best of the 
uh, internet or the broadband. It's not, there are no free, uh, no, no free lunch. <laughs> you have to pay a tax. <laughs> we are in a front runner. Always there's a new problem, like a cybersecurity. Come to us first. Right. We are now, we are now ready. <laughs> <laughs> See, in any other area on those information technology, we never be in those front runner. So we are now ready how to handle those problems, especially in cybersecurity. So we stumble. So the like a cybersecurity now in Korea is very lousy in many ways. American or European, you guys are familiar how to be uh, those front runner. So they know how to handle. But we don't. <laughs> I'm not sure we're handling it very great. In social, networking, social networking is even worse. We have one of the best those uh, social networking services in the world. And that, and that means there's so much abuse on the social networking. Again, we just don't know how to handle. I don't think anybody knows how to handle that right now. So even talking about those uh, 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 basic those, uh, uh, internet service, yes, we are the one of the best in the world. <laughs> but uh, those side effect of application level, no, no, we just uh, uh, we are struggling. And we have to do so more research gives you something to do. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> so that's just right. to make sure that there, there are no free lunch. <laughs> no, that's a good that's a good lesson to learn. Yeah. I don't know, it's not a good lesson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, excellent. Well, thanks, Kelnum, for coming on and talking to us about this and uh, the spread of the Internet or the Asian perspective of the Internet. And um, for all of our listeners, thanks for listening and catch us next time at the Network Collective History of Networking.